management of companies have been focused on maximizing shareholder value. That's been the predominant goal of a CEO. Now, I think the goal of a CEO is shifting. It's how do we maximize shareholder value while also producing a positive externality or a positive effect on society. Welcome to the Next Gen Banker podcast, where we explore what's next in banking and talk with the innovators responsible for creating positive change in the financial sector. I'm your host, Becca Heft, and I'm joined by my Sunrise colleague and friend, Brian Toft, and I'm excited to welcome Dominic Combs. Uh, Dominic, thank you for being on the Next Gen Banker podcast. But before we get started, it's just a reminder to stick around to hear our musical feature at the end of the episode. Each Next Gen Banker episode showcases one new artist from somewhere around the globe, representing a wide range of different genres. So be sure to check it out. So let's hear a little bit about Dominic's background. He is the founder and CEO of Be Generous, a fintech we'll be hearing about shortly. And Dominic's also the founder and now president at GVNG, a fintech allowing anyone to launch a digital nonprofit in five minutes or less. And he's an expert in the world of startups, fintechs, philanthropy, and nonprofits. So I think we'll learn a lot today. Well, so, welcome, okay. Dominic. Yeah, thank you so much for having me today. I really appreciate it. Yeah. So, you know, I wanted to start out with something a little bit different um, instead of jumping into exactly what you're doing today, I wanted to go in the way back machine. And I wanted to think about what has Dominic, like what has, you know, what did you want to do when you were eight years old? Was it working in financial services? Was it something else? I'd love to hear about when you were young and then about your journey into the financial industry. Sure. Well, I definitely did not want to work in financial services when I was eight years old. That would have been really? very what did you want to do? If I ran to my parents and said I want to be a banker. <laughs> but um I, I was um so I was actually born in Asia. Uh, I, I was born in Hong Kong, um, and then uh grew up in London, England. And um, you know, as a very young kid, you don't really know much other than what your parents sort of tell you about the world, how the world is and what's normal, what's not normal. So the first original thought I ever had in my life was, wow, the world is a very unequal place. That was probably the first original thought I ever had about about the age of eight or nine years old, because growing up in Asia, I saw a lot of poverty when I traveled around Asia in the 1980s. And then living in Europe in my sort of later years, I, it was very opulent, particularly in central London where I lived. And so I remember thinking, wow, the world is a very unequal place. And um, I thought it might be interesting if I could ever do something to improve that. I didn't know what that could be, of course. I was eight years old, but I, I always wanted to do something that could improve the world. So that was the first sort of passion I ever had in my life. And uh, and then when I moved to L.A., years later, I, of course, I wanted to be an actor, like every young uh, kid in L.A., which is totally different. And I, I thought that sounded interesting. But eventually I came back to my original roots. And uh, when I was in college and graduate school in New York City, I came back to what can I do to help help make the world a somewhat of a better place? And so that really came kind of full circle from that standpoint. That's really cool. And, um, you know, you have obviously put that into practice with Be Generous. So I want to ask you a little bit about that now. So can you just explain, um, you know, what Be Generous is and how you kind of came up with the idea or thought? I, we hear a lot about buy now, buy now, pay later. Um, this is donate now, pay later. So talk to us a little bit about that and uh, how you came up with the idea and how it works. 
Yeah, so that's exactly right. So I'm sure your listeners have heard of buy now, pay later products like Affirm, Klarna, Afterpay, PayPal, some of the biggest you know, fintech companies in the world offer these products. And effectively, what they allow you to do is exactly what the name says. You can buy a product now and pay for it later. Um, and so these, these companies allow you to buy mostly online e-commerce products, televisions, computers, clothes, and so forth. But you can buy them and pay for them later. And um, the innovation that we've adopted is we said, well, why can't we take this type of infrastructure and apply it to the largest underserved sector of finance in the world, which is the U.S. philanthropic market? So most people don't know this, but total donations to U.S. nonprofits are about half a trillion dollars a year. They're almost it's almost the same size as the e-commerce sector. If you look at the total size of both of these markets that you know, to continue that comparison, there are 2.2 million e-commerce stores in the United States. There are 1.7 million nonprofits. Approximately 210 million Americans purchase goods and services online. About 230 million Americans make donations every year. And the average uh, donation is much larger than the average online purchase. So you see these two industries, they're very similar, except one of them, the e-commerce space, is saturated with credit and lending products like some of the companies I mentioned a moment ago. We said, hey, let's take that infrastructure strip out the bad parts of it, like late fees and interest payments, for example, and let's adopt it to do something good in the world. And so to your point, we've created the first ever philanthropic credit product, which instead of allowing somebody to buy now, pay later, allows somebody to donate now and pay later. So using our product, a donor can go to a nonprofit's website. You can think of some of our clients, for example, like PETA, the National Down Syndrome Society, some of the Jewish federations. Um, these are all of our clients. And you can go to their websites, make a donation as you would ordinarily do, um, except the nonprofit will receive the donation upfront right away today. You will receive, the, you as the donor will receive your full tax deduction upfront right away, but you pay no money out of pocket today. So no money actually leaves your bank account. And you simply pay that donation later at no additional cost to you. There's no interest payments. There's no transaction fees. There's no late fees. And there's no hidden fees. And not only do you pay it later, but you actually get to split up those payments over time. So an example would be, um, let's say you went to the National Down Syndrome Society's website and you want to give them 100 bucks. So you make a $100 donation. They are going to receive $100 today. You're going to receive a $100 tax deduction. You pay no money today. And in 30 days from now, your first payment is due. And you can pay that over three months, six months, or nine months in general. So in this example, it's 100 bucks. Let's say you choose, okay, I'm going to pay this in three months. So you pay nothing today. In 30 days from now, your first payment will be due of essentially $33. And then you can, uh, and then you'll pay it a second month and third month, and then it's out. So the nonprofit gets all the benefit of the capital upfront, and the donor gets the benefit of being able to make a larger donation. And I'll talk about that later in the in the episode. We you'll see in the data, donors are giving a lot more money with this type of product because they can obviously split up their payments over time, much less of a liquidity hit for them. And of course, they get the full tax deduction and the full tax benefits upfront without spending any money. So it's um it's a very unique product. Uh, it works extremely well. And um, the way I came up with it is uh, I'm actually good friends with um, the founding COO of a firm. So a firm is the large, one of the largest buy now pay later companies in the uh, in the world. And I was uh, spending some time with her all, almost a decade ago now. And we were in her office and I was listening to what she was saying about a firm. And it sort of had this idea of, wow, why couldn't we apply this type of infrastructure to the philanthropic space where my background has predominantly been in? So I've been in philanthropy tech for almost 10 years now, building uh, companies like you mentioned, giving and others in the tech space in the philanthropic world. So I thought this is a um, great use case of a product like this. The technology already exists. The business model is sound. Let's let's adopt it to do some good in the world. And that's really ultimately how it came about. First, Dominic, when did you when did Be Generous start? Twenty twenty one. Twenty twenty 
21. Okay. And when I was doing the research, I read that you got off to a really quick start. So in the first three months, uh, you had over more than a million in interest-free credit uh, for donors um, in those three months. So since 2021, um, what kind of impact are you seeing now for those donating and those nonprofits? Yeah, so I started the company at the beginning of 2021, but it took almost two years to build the product, secure the lending, raise the capital, you know, all that. Stuff. So we've only been live for several months. Um, so we launched the actual product went live in the market at the end of 2022. And yeah, you're exactly right. In the first uh, quarter, quarter and a half live, we approved um, almost $1.5 million of credit to um, to donors. And, uh, and the, the, the really interesting story has to do with the average donation size. So the average online donation in the United States in 2022 was about $128. That was the average online donation in the United States. The average online donation using Donate Not Pay Later today using our product is $460. So what that means is that donors who use our product give on average donations which are 260% bigger than the national average, or to put it another way, give donations that are, you know, almost four times the size of the national average. And we always believed that there would be an increase in the donation size, because of course, you're allowing people to pay a donation over time, you can split up that, that cost, so people will give more, but we did not think it would be anywhere near this sizable. Um, so this has been a, a huge surprise. And this is what's been driving a lot of the adoption of our product. Because nonprofits see this and they say, well, that's that's a good deal, right? You're going to get donations that are almost four times the size of what we normally get. They're insulated against any losses. So think about when people are paying monthly or people are making pledges. A lot of people that make pledges and a lot of people that pay monthly, they back out of those of those commitments at some point. Using our product, if a donor uses our product and then stops paying at some point, there's no recourse to the nonprofit. They're insulated against any losses because they already have the money up front and they keep all the money. So not only are they getting the money up front, not only are they getting much, much larger donations, but they're also keeping all that money no matter what. No one can decide to cancel whenever, you know, a pledge, for example, they don't deal with those issues anymore. So um, there's tremendous value to the nonprofits from a product like this. So let me ask you a follow-up question to that, Dominic. So you have you have the nonprofits and you have the donators. What kind of challenges have you been faced with as you launch this product? Uh, pretty much everyone imaginable. <laughs> a better question would be, what, what haven't we run into? Um, you know, when I when I first conceived of this idea and I told people that, you know, hey, I want to, you know, so so we, we, we signed, um, I should say, probably give a little bit of context, but we signed a lending agreement with a bank that allows us to lend, you know, in theory, up to hundreds of millions of dollars to power these loans over the next three years. Um, but when I first originally told people this idea, I said, listen, I want to lend hundreds of millions and ultimately billions of dollars to donors on an interest-free basis to give away money to nonprofits. They were like, are you insane? What are you talking about? That's obviously not possible. Who's going to give you billions of dollars to loan on an interest-free basis to donors so that they can give it to nonprofits? So the whole idea from the beginning was fraught with these um, you know, incredible, uh, incredible skepticism, I would say. And it wasn't until we really solidified a business model that people started to say, oh, this actually makes a lot of sense. And then we got a deluge of banks just trying to lend to us, actually, where uh, we were inundated with people saying the business model is great. The cause is great. The brand, the brand is great. We want to be your partners in this and that. So we went through so many ups and downs. And of course, then there was a regulatory environment, which was not is not insignificant. We're a loan broker and a loan servicer in all 50 states. That's 50 sets of laws, regulations. We need to comply with those. We're effectively regulated like a bank by 
proxy of our partnership with our bank lender. Um, you know, and then of course the SVB issue, we just happened with SVB that didn't help anything. Uh, you know, we had money at SVB, by the way, I will, I will mention that too. Uh, thankfully we got it out, but you know, I mean, startups are fraught with incredible ups and downs. Um, and this is a complex product. This is not like a dating app that you can, you know, get up and running in six weeks. This, there's a lot of complexity with something like this. We're a lender, we're a servicer, we're a broker, customer service, collections, the technology, the third party partnerships with Ikata, Socure, Proveneer, I mean, and on and on. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of ups and downs in a business like this. We mentioned it's a, it's basically a credit product. You've been up for several months. How has it gone in terms of that credit side of things? Has it been as you expected, better than you expected, worse? Um, tell us yeah. a little bit about that. Significantly, significantly better. Um, we So I'll give you some stats. Um, the average applicant of our products. So not everybody, you know, as you mentioned, we're credit products. So we assess the credit worthiness of people who apply to use our product. Um, we, it does not affect the donor's credit score to apply to use this product. Right. But, um, and you get a decision in two seconds and literally two seconds. That's how long it takes, but you, you still have to effectively apply because not everybody is, has the credit to use a product like this. The average applicant credit score of our product is 756. It's extremely, extremely high. Um, higher than we thought, <laughs> to be honest with you. So what that's translated into is currently today, with all of the loans we've given out, uh, we have 0% delinquencies and 0% defaults. So we've had no losses, hmm. zero, um, not one, since the start of the program. And you know, with an average applicant score of 756, you can understand why that might be. Now, interestingly, the average applicant score of a user of our product, so now we're talking about people that get approved to use the product, is 771, it's even higher. So you're talking about people with excellent, excellent, excellent credit. Um, and the reason uh, that that's the case, which is significantly better than buy now, pay later, by the way, where the average credit score is like in the low 600s, high 500s but in some cases, um, is because the use case for buy now, pay later typically is, hey, I cannot afford to buy this product. So right now, I don't have the whatever it is, thousand bucks on hand. So I'm going to finance it and I'm going to pay it over time. It's going to be easier for me to do that. So you're dealing with consumers that might not have that liquidity on hand at any given time, might not have that much money at any given time. And so there's going to be a correlation with credit score on that standpoint, from that standpoint. When you're dealing with donors, what's the one thing you know about a donor? There's only one thing you know about a donor just immediately by hearing they donate to nonprofits. They have to have some money because they're giving away money. You have to have some money to give away money. And generally, there's a positive correlation, obviously, between income and credit scores. And so what we find with our users is that um, they're they, they're generally more credit worthy. They're generally wealthier. I mean, the average income of one of our users is over one hundred twenty thousand dollars. So you're just generally dealing with people that um, are more credit worthy or more financially stable. And also, you're dealing with people who are looking to make a larger contribution to their nonprofit. And this is a product that helps them do that. Which is why, as I mentioned to you earlier, the data shows that the average donation is almost four times the size of the national average. So, for, because of these sort of interesting nuances, the credit story here has been really uh, quite exceptional. That's great to hear. And um, looking at it from the nonprofit side, then uh, tell us a little bit about the interest that you've generated from from nonprofits um, and where you see this going um, from a nonprofit standpoint. Yeah. So in our first several months live, we signed almost 100 nonprofit clients. So a lot, we signed up a lot uh, of merchants or nonprofits, if you will, including some of the nation's largest nonprofits. I mentioned some of them earlier to you today. 
Uh, we signed up Heifer International. They're a very big organization, PETA, the National Down Syndrome Society, a couple chapters of the Jewish Federation, chapters of the Boy Scouts, um, chapters of the Humane Society, I mean, and on and on. So we've uh, we've worked we work with some of the nation's largest uh, and sort of most notable organizations. And the response has been incredible because they see the data. You know, at the end of the day, uh, there's only so much selling you can do. Eventually, at some point, the data has to speak for itself. And when our nonprofits are seeing their average donations double, quadruple, triple, or double, triple, and quadruple in some cases, um, they get very excited by that. And again, you know, this is a free product for nonprofits to integrate. We do not charge an integration fee. We do not charge a subscription fee. There's no fixed cost for the nonprofit to use this, right? So the worst case scenario is that a nonprofit says, hey, it's not really working for us. Okay, so no harm, no foul. They didn't pay anything. They didn't pay us any money. They, you know, there's no real downside to giving this a shot. So we've seen... Um, you know, pretty substantial tr- uh, attraction with nonprofits since launch. And we expect by the end of this year to be on a close to 2,000, 2,500 nonprofit websites. Wow. All right, Dominic, you started out thinking that you were going to be an actor at some point. Yeah. And then you became this mission-driven, uh, focused uh, founder of a fintech that does good. So my last question for you today is what do you think the next gen banker looks like? The next gen banker, I think the next gen banker has to have a really solid understanding of the imp- impact side of things. Um, if there's if there's anything, you know, I'm a millennial, I'm 34, and Gen Zers are obviously the next generation under me. And what's very clear about my generation and the Gen Z generation is that they're very focused and concerned about, um, you know, the, the effects on society beyond making profit, right? So traditionally, shareholders and companies have been focused on maximizing shareholder, or, or sorry, not shareholders, um, management of companies have been focused on maximizing shareholder value. That's been the predominant goal of a CEO. Um, now, I think the goal of a CEO is shifting. It's how do we maximize shareholder value while also producing a positive externality or a positive effect on society? And I think that's by virtue of the fact that the people that are inheriting the trillions and trillions of dollars of wealth in this country, notably millennials and Gen Zers, care. They have different types of considerations. They care about these types of things more than perhaps past generations have. And that's, again, as a result of the fact that the world is getting a little bit more chaotic. Obviously, we're dealing with massive climate change and global warming and so forth. So I think the next-gen banker has to take that into consideration and be very, very aware that the future of banking, the future of capitalism, in my opinion, is not going to be profit at all costs. I, I, I very much do not think that will be the case. I think it will be profit and purpose. So how do we maximize shareholder value? How do we help these companies have liquidity? How do we help these companies grow, make a profit and so forth? But also, how do we make sure that they're having some sort of positive effect on society, whether it's civil society, whether it's the environment, whether it's supporting certain causes? Um, and I think that's going to be critically important for the next gen banker to understand. So that would be, you know, what they look like and how they operate is is not for me to say, but I think that's a consideration that is going to be really important for the next gen banker. Well, Dominic, I love what you said. You know, as Brian and I work for a mission focused brand, that's what we live and do every day. Really appreciate you joining us today and sharing about all the amazing work you're doing um, about Be Generous. Thank you for listening to the Next Gen Baker podcast, and we'll see you next time. Thanks so much for having me. We appreciate it. For this episode's musical feature, we're showcasing El Sever Lake. El Sever Lake is a project by Adrian Wather described as an acoustic 
calming soundscape that surrounds you in the tranquil, peaceful environment found only in nature. Here is Somewhere Heaven is on Earth by Hell Silver Lake, featuring Joel Porter. Somewhere Heaven is on Earth by Al Silver Lake, featuring Joel Porter. You can find more of Al Silver Lake's music on Spotify. If you would like your music featured on the Next Gen Banker podcast, email David at nextgen-banker.com with a link to your music and website. Thanks for listening to the Next Gen Banker podcast. We'll see you soon.